Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing all things InsureTech. And to do that, we're kindly joined by the CEO of InsureTech company Quoto in Simon Ball. Simon, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Uh, no, it's great to be here. Just one thing to mention to you. The name of the company is Quoto, but we uh, it's amazing how many people actually get it wrong. But we all think it's simple, but there we are. So Quoto is the name of the company. One of the reasons, indeed, Simon, that we're speaking today is because you are currently on Cedars. And we'll speak a little bit more about your crowdfunding campaign in the podcast, um, you set out with a target of £300,000 and due to quite a high level of investor demand, you've actually exceeded that target. So congratulations on that. The last time I checked when I was preparing for this, you were at just over 400000 So obviously a strong interest there from investors in the crowdfunding campaign. But that's something that we can discuss a little bit more in the podcast. Yeah. But Simon, before we, we get into things, would you be able to give us a brief introduction to yourself um, and how you came about um, to be the CEO of Quotal? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, gosh, that's an interesting... Let, let, try not to make it too long-winded and boring. Um, uh, so my background actually is in uh, enterprise corporate sales. Used to work for uh, large um, software houses, California Silicon Valley based software houses, um, um, and then got into essentially e-commerce. Nothing to do with insurance at this stage. Uh, became commercial director of a company called Salmon, who uh, consequently got bought. Subsequently, rather got bought by um, uh, Wonderman Thompson. Um, and a very large organization, but we were focused on e-commerce uh, in the very early days of e-commerce, worked with a lot of dot-com companies. To me, e-commerce was really exciting because that's where technology was touched by consumers and users. That was great fun. I got involved in some early stage insurance uh, activities and was just absolutely fascinated by the fact that um, insurance um, was, I don't know, 10, 15 years behind uh, e-commerce for uh, retail and so got into ins- what at the time was not called InsureTech by the way that's a recent uh, a recent phrase but got involved in the InsureTech side founded a company called Cover Zones went on to become CEO of PowerPlace which was a, a marketplace platform for insurance brokers and so out of that the ideas emerged around Quotal and the fact that true e-commerce for consumer self-service around insurance just really didn't exist so um yeah that's the background really relatively relative newcomer to insurance uh, but from a technology background so indeed as you touched on there a very strong background in technology i mean how does that flow in, in into quotal uh simon would you be able to just Give us an outline of what Quotal do and, and obviously make a little bit of a link there between the technology side of things and how that's become an insurance business. Yeah, well, think e-commerce, something we do every day, Jonathan. Um, we all use Amazon. We all use eBay. We all use e-commerce environments and platforms to buy stuff from retailers these days. Um, and so um, in, uh, Quotal is about 
being the specialist provider, tech provider that does e-commerce and e-trading for insurance. So it's quite a natural extension and quite a natural flow. So we're tech software house, but actually we're much more than that. And what we focus on is working with large enterprises that aren't necessarily already in insurance, aren't necessarily regulated, and we basically help them enter the insurance market on a cross-sell, upsell basis. That, that's that's very interesting. I mean, to give us some context, Simon, would you be able to give us an idea of the type of business that would be using your services? Yeah, well, we work uh, both with regulated entities helping them digitise their business, but the main and fastest growing part of our business is working with large enterprises. It's uh, interesting we're doing this today, Jonathan, because we've just announced this morning a strategic five-year partnership to provide the insurance services for WH Smith, uh, a name I'm certain that you're aware of. Indeed, um, yes. And, and a brand that actually 70% of the UK population buy from at some stage during the year. So they've not entered into insurance before in their 235-year history, and they're moving into insurance as a cross-sell to their customers, as an upsell, as an extra channel, an extra value add. So what a perfect example of the type of organisation we work with and great to be able to announce it today. We're thrilled about working with those guys and very pleased that they've entrusted us to establish, work with them to establish their insurance service. Fantastic. So I just want to have a sort of discussion now quickly, Simon, around what that would actually look like for a potential consumer in yeah. terms of... Uh, you know what the interaction would be with, with a company like WH Smith, and then how that would then um, fit into to what Quote will do, and what services you'll be provided at what point, and then how um, that customer will then interact with the technology that you provide. Ah, oh, great question. Yeah. Um, so um, we all think about WH Smith, um, and it's a great example to use. Actually, WH Smith have got eleven hundred, I think, something like that, um, high street or retail outlets in the UK. A lot of massive presence in transport and distribution hubs, but they've also got a massive online presence, and that's been growing at an incredible rate over the last 12, 18 months. Has as the digital channels for many omni-channel retailers because of the uh, because of the pandemic. So think about it in pretty simple terms. You go to WH Smith's website. Uh, you see sections and tabs on there to buy insurance policies. You then go through the user journey, just like you would for selecting other products and identify, let's say, pet insurance or travel insurance or home insurance. You then go through a very slick and integrated user experience and user journey that white labels our technology to all intents and purposes BWH Smith. Um, and obviously at that point, then you can go into a selection and a purchase of an insurance product using debit, credit cards or finance options. Uh, the system and the capability then automatically distributes documentation to you and handles all the things like renewals and all those sorts of things. So it's completely embedded insurance, embedded into existing user channels and user journeys and that's that's extremely important for people like wh smith and all of our customers really they want to be able to provide a seamless additional service to customers um very often integrated with offers for other products that you might purchase from them so think about it from a user's point of view you use their digital channels to buy great office supplies stationery and stuff like that that's another one example of our customers with office depot with their viking brand but you then also 
uh, can now add in or buy insurance from them. And what we're finding is massive take up and interest in this because retailers are uh, omnichannel retailers are very, very keen to expand their offerings. They're very keen to provide additional products and services to their customers. You know, they're out there in the marketplace competing with the likes of the Amazons of this world. And what they want to do is to have more touch points, more service offerings and more products available to their customers. So the demand, um, particularly since the uh, the pandemic for digital services has gone up. And what we're doing is giving them an insurance service in a box, if you will. So think about that user journey I've just described. It sounds pretty simple, Jonathan, but actually yeah. delivering it isn't. Because what you need in there is you need... Uh, access to insurance products, you need the uh, ability to um, provide them through a regulated environment and a controlled environment. So what we provide beneath the surface, if I can describe it that way, is a massive amount of technology, infrastructure, know-how, network and partnership capability, including things like access to insurance products and also access to people to provide regulatory and advisory services. So what we do sounds pretty simple, but below the surface, it's pretty complex and pretty challenging to deliver. So, I mean, you've actually moved on um, quite nicely there, Simon, into the next bit of uh, what, what I was going to look at. Of course, you mentioned there the customer perspective, but now sort of looking at, at your clients, the WH Smiths, mm. I mean, the services that, that you offer them um, specifically, and this is obviously something that um, probably that the customer wouldn't be um, visible to, but this is obviously the the service that you're offering to to the companies. What are the main areas within your agreements with companies such as WH Smith in terms of technology that you provide them, regulatory uh, umbrellas and, and such like? What does that sort of look like as, as a product and offering to the enterprises? Yeah, it's a great a great question. Um, so at the heart of it is our e trading platform, um, and we um, afford access and usage of that e-trading platform to our customers seamlessly embedded and integrated into their existing uh, 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 digital experiences we use uh, api technology for doing that um, but actually that's that's a key part of it of course it is but you can't sell insurance unless you're regulated um, and you can't sell insurance unless you've got access to the insurance products and all of these are very complex and very proprietary areas. So we have a, a thing called our ecosystem. Clearly at the heart of our ecosystem is our tech platform, but we then afford uh, access to a regulatory umbrella uh, for providing insurance. We access insurance markets through insurance partners and networks, fulfillment services, um, transaction services. So there's a, oh, there's at least you know, oh, gosh, in some cases, a dozen moving parts to the ecosystem. And what we're essentially doing here is we're actually taking away the barriers to entry. So think about it. If you're a retailer looking to expand, or you're, and by the way, when I say retailer, I mean people that are serving both consumers, you and I, uh, but also SMEs. Uh, office depot with their viking brand is another customer of ours and they've got a significant number of smes in the uk that want to buy insurance digitally and online uh, so what we do is we provide them with the service in a box and we bring all these things together for them and take away the barriers to entry because if you want to do this for yourself as a company think about it 
got to recruit some domain experts. You've then got to forge relationships with insurers. You've got to go and get regulatory processes and services put in place. You're looking at multi-millions of pounds of investment over an elongated period of time. We tell all that away. We can get a brand up and running from agreement through to uh, trading within months rather than years. And we've taken away the capital expenditure, human recruitment costs and significant amounts of risk. So it's not it's perhaps not too surprising uh, that we've got a healthy, uh, a healthy um, rollout list and also a healthy pipeline for our services going forward. Fantastic. Thank, thank you very much. Just before we go on, and there's something here that uh, I'd like to sort of discuss around what else is out there in the market. But just before we do that, Sam, would you be able to just confirm what types of insurance are accessible through your platform? Uh, just about any, to be perfectly honest with you. So if we look at uh, WH Smith, we're launching a whole raft and range of products with them, starting with travel. I mentioned earlier on that they are um, they are omnipresent jonathan uh, think about it when you go to the airport do you, you, you we, we all go to wh smith don't we <laughs> um, yes. now yes. the fulfillment's online but in terms of the brand association with with travel um so we're launching with a travel product uh, with uh, smiths we're then moving into uh, other products like home and pet so these are what we call in the insurance world personal lines products but we've also got a range of sme products or specialist products that you might embed in for things like product guarantee and things like that. So the bottom line is our systems are agnostic, really. We can provide a whole raft and range of insurance schemes and products. The technology is that flexible and that powerful. And in many cases, we're also going to be launching soon with a organization that is uh, has a significant customer base of uh, plumbing and heating engineers, tradesmen, if you will. And our ability to build specialists, what we call in the insurance industry, schemes um, for uh, specific customers, along with our partners, of course, is is um, um, is a core competence. So, c- candidly, don't want it to sound glib, but we can produce any products and deploy any products. Put it this way: there's not been an insurance product so far that we've not been able to accommodate on our platform. So a very broad reaching suite of, of products there uh, available to your, your partners, which is very interesting. Yep. That actually moves on quite nicely now, Simon, in, into the market. Where do you sit within the market and what does uh, the market for businesses like Coitel look like at the, at the moment? I mean, is it something that's fairly new? Is there many players out there? Um, what does it look like for investors that are potentially looking at you and, and, and trying to get an idea of where you sit within your peers? Yeah, uh, really, again, really good questions. Um, uh, So first thing I'm going to say is the market's wide open. So for uh, uh, digital e-trading, there's a tremendous opportunity. And in terms of uh, alternative brands, non-regulated brands, if you will, such as retailers and utilities and affinity groups coming into the UK market, UK market's about 51 billion um, on an annual premium basis, about 5% that only is provided by non-traditional insurance brands, if you like, so big market. Um, But what we've done in terms of our model is we've done something different. We've actually gone out to support those that aren't already in the insurance industry. So there's lots um, lots of insurance technology providers out there, but they're essentially trying to support the 
insurance industry digitize itself. We've taken a different approach and we're focused on empowering those that aren't already in insurance, the disruptors, the new entrants, if you like. So a couple of points about that. So, uh, you know, insurance technology platforms and digital technology platforms, there's plenty out there. Most of them are what we call B2B, business to business. They don't really handle the consumer self-service aspects uh, of the marketplace. Um, And uh, the other point to make there, by the way, is the concept of alternative brands, whilst it's relatively untapped, selling insurance is, is relatively new. Our model is different so that we give them a much greater degree of control. Our biggest competitor actually is organizations doing it for themselves, building that capability for themselves. And there are considerable barriers to entry to doing that. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. It does. And it sets it up very nicely, actually, for um, moving on to the, to the next point I had here about what does it look like in terms of take up for your services so far you've of course mentioned wh smith everybody will be aware of and that's obviously quite a significant brand to to be working with but how does it look like I mean, what does it look like for quite elsewhere in terms of the number of people that you're, you're working with in terms of companies number of companies that you're working with um and the sort of pipeline for for new partnerships that you have yeah yeah uh, so in in relative terms got to understand that it's um it's you know early days for us early days as in fulfilled opportunity um uh, you know i think from an investment point of view a lot of ticks already, a lot of aspects of our business that are validated and de-risked. So uh, acquiring new clients such as Office Depot, such as um, such as WH Smith, tick that box. Um, and we've got another two or three, I can't name the names of them, but they will be household names that will be rolling out over the next six months, um, uh, uh, insurance propositions for their customers. We already have, by the way, uh, I think something like 26 customers that we've worked with. Many of them are already in the insurance industry and we'll continue to work with those in the insurance industry that want to digitize their businesses. Um, uh, you know, that that's something that the insurance industry is going to have to do or it's going to find itself being further disrupted and challenged by new entrants. Uh, so we do work. We've got 26 odd customers at the moment. We've got... Um, uh, Office Depot just rolled out. We've got uh, with via Viking. We've got WH Smiths. It's aiming to be, I think, the first product's going to go live in uh, November time. And then we've got three further brands following up behind that. Pipeline looks pretty good. We're aiming to bring on board about five new clients on an annual basis. Now, that might not sound many, but you've got to bear in mind that these are major five-year contracts for us. And uh, the annual run rate revenue per customer for us can be anywhere up to and beyond about half a million pounds run rate revenue per annum. So, um, you know, so the pipeline's looking healthy and strong. That said, could we bring on more? Yes, we could, you know, but we are starting to evolve as a company towards the scale up part and scale up phase of our evolution really so i don't like the phrase startup because we've been at it for quite a few years now and we've uh you know we've got some pretty darn good customers we've got a great technology uh, we've uh, got some fantastic guys and we've uh, you know we've done a great job with the technology um and its extensibility and its flexibility. So I don't like the phrase startup, to be honest with you, Jonathan. We're early stage still. I guess that's the point I'm trying to uh, trying to make to you. 
and the you know the sky is the limit for us but we've got to balance and this is something that's that i'm very mindful of waffling on a little bit here so do, do dive in uh, but no. I'm, I'm i'm very keen to balance quality as well as quantity you know take on brands like wh smith and office depot and you know um wing it as far as implementing their uh, those clients you've got to absolutely put them at the center of what you do so that's one of the reasons why we're going out to raise further capital to make sure that our standards um don't drop from where at the, the high uh, bar that we've set for ourselves already thank you so i mean one of the the, the points that i pick on on there which is quite interesting is how you would classify your, your sales in your startup or or not but very much i'd, I'd view a company such as yourself as a growth company and the way that investors would be looking at a company like yourself is um, looking at your growth rates, particularly from a, a revenue perspective. Now, we've, we've gone through the types of clients that you work with, Simon. We've looked at the, the services that, that you offer. But I think now just to give um, some further details really on your model in terms of, of revenue and, and how what we've discussed so far fits together in terms of generating revenue for, for Quotal. So um, a lot of people will, will be sort of familiar with white label uh, arrangements and, and similar partnerships ones, but there's obviously a little bit more to, to what you do. So would you be able to give us some, some details on that? Yeah, I think it's. A, I'm, I'm pleased you mentioned that because it's an extremely uh, valid and important point. Um the, the, there are a number of ways we make revenue, uh, and let me explain those and then uh, talk a little bit more about them in detail. Uh, we make revenue from consulting services, um, and some organizations um, uh, commission us to do consulting work to help them with marketing services. We've just um, um, uh, taken on a partnership with a great insure tech company themselves called MCE, one of the biggest bike insurers in the UK. and providing them with a load of services, range of services around um, uh, uh, digital advice, basically. Consulting services. Um, we also make money out of, and this is where the main part of our revenue stream will come, we make money out of a revenue share model, a transaction-based revenue share model with our customers. So this is really important because in insurance, um when you sell policies, uh, there are commissions associated with it and there are fees that we get from insurers for policy distribution and work transfer. So we get revenue from the insurers on a per transaction basis and we do revenue, revenue share models with our customers out of the fees and commissions that are applicable to each policy. Now, why is this really important? Because it enables us to grow the business exponentially and if you look at our revenue um, uh, curve, it's an exponential curve over the next five years because essentially it's heavily oriented towards systems and transactions, Jonathan. So we're not having to grow the business on the basis of doubling, trebling the staff to double and treble the revenue. The other aspect of insurance, which is a wonderful, um, a wonderful benefit for us, is that um, you get those transaction fees, you get those insurance transaction fees and those revenue share fees um, each time a policy is sold at new policy, but you also enjoy the benefit of those incomes at renewal. 
So in some cases, renewal of an insurance policy, renewal rates can be something around 80% and above. So you're still getting that transaction benefit at five years into the model. And you can start to build up sizable books of business and sizable revenue streams. And that's one of the real real secret exciting things about our company really we'll see over the next five years our income from um uh, from um, services reduce as a percentage and we'll see our income from systems related transaction related revenue share related go up and up and up and become the vast majority we also make a bit of money out of um uh, 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 premium finance and sharing the uh, and sharing the uptake or uptick on premium finance with the, with our partners and with our customers, but essentially it's all about revenue share. We could sell, and people do sometimes want to license our technology, and that's fine. We have those conversations with people, but the real sweet spot for us is sharing in the revenue success of the customer. I mean, that, that's what you mentioned there is particularly interesting for myself with the renewal side of things. And I think that's something that investors will be quite interested with as well in terms of that does provide the opportunity for reoccurring revenue going forward as, as you grow. So that's quite an interesting um, oh, point. Oh, it's massively important, Jonathan. You know, these are five-year relationships. Think about it. If you've got eight out of every 10 customer coming back and buying next year, you can start to see the revenue uptick. This is one of the reasons why it's extremely attractive to the likes of Smith and the likes of uh, Office Depot and our other customers, because um, you know you're you're able to you know and but enjoy a you know extended relationship with those customers and extended revenue stream. Indeed, indeed, and that is a particularly interesting revenue model uh, there for for Quotal. So, just before we go into uh, a couple more points, yeah. Simon, in, in terms of information about this, this can be found, of course, on the Cedars platform, kind of, which details in more detail um, the, the revenue model, how it works, and obviously a little bit more about the company. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, there's, uh, there's a number of ways if you're interested in engaging with us in the context of the round that we're in right now. Uh, we've got information on our website. So if you go to quoteall.com, uh, you'll find information there. Actually, you can get in touch with me via that environment but we're also as you say been working very closely with cedars it's been a great experience for us so if you go to cedars.com forward slash quote all there'll be information there and bear in mind i think for getting access to all the detailed information you have to you have to register and go through their qualification criteria um as an investor i can't imagine that any of your community won't be uh, either already engaged with cedars or 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 meet the criteria but there are two ways of getting more information and yeah we we have an information memorandum jonathan and in there you know all of this what hopefully is relevant detail is covered including our business model and our strategy for revenue growth over the next five years Fantastic. Thank you. So let, let's now, there's a couple more points here, but I think let's now look specifically, Simon, at the at the Cedars round, at the, at the capital raising uh, round that you're doing. As I said at the beginning, you've already met your target on, on Cedars, so it's an overfunding. I believe there's, there's a couple of weeks left or, or so uh, for people to be involved. But one of, one of the things that investors are always very keen to know when companies are undertaking capital raising campaigns is where those funds are going to be allocated on a successful campaign. 
So what does that look like for, for quota? When you raise your funds, where are you going to be allocating the cash to to, to meet your long-term goals? Yeah, yeah again, uh, great question. I think we've touched on it a couple of times, haven't we, really? But it, it's about fueling growth. So it's about making sure that the uh, pipeline is, um, is full. As I mentioned earlier on, we've got a pretty good pipeline, but um, I'm greedy, so I want more. Um, and so we want to be putting in... Um, in place um, marketing programs and campaigns to find bigger and you know blue chip customers to work with you know we we've been kind of below the radar for the last year or two while we whilst we've perfected this model uh, it's all about noise now as far as we're concerned Jonathan so we're going to put a decent amount of money into raising our profile within that um, blue chip target audience we want to communicate with the second point that I mentioned earlier on is resources um, you know, um, we need resources to make sure we maintain the quality, additional resources, that is, to make sure we backfill effectively and maintain the quality of implementation that we've now become known for. Uh, there's no way I'm going to compromise the quality of service that we deliver c- c- to customers because we're busy. Uh, that's not going to happen. Um, and from a software house point of view, we have to continue to develop the platform. We've rele- we've, we're on what we call release four now, which is... Um, uh, which is API-based, responsive-based, extremely flexible capability. Um, and in that respect, I always say, you know, as a software house, if you stop investing in R&D, you're already dead. It's just the timing of it that's the variable. Um, so we will continue to develop the platform. E-commerce never sleeps. Uh, standards are being set higher and higher uh, by organizations like the Amazons of this world. So we have to maintain development of the platform and improvements in the platform. So that's where the funds are going to go um, into those key areas um, uh, over the next 69 months. Thank you. Thank you very much, Simon. So to finish off now, this is something that investors always like to hear. And, and, it, and it's really a bit of a summary about where, where you've been and, and where you, you're going. So would you have to give us a breakdown of what your biggest milestones have been to date and what you would say your key targets are going to be over the next three to five years? Yeah, uh, well, I think we've touched upon, uh, gosh, haven't I banged on about our milestones? <laughs> Extraordinarily proud of um, the things that we've done with bringing on blue chip clients. Uh, look, you know, as a um, a small business, you know, I didn't use the word startup there, as a small uh, growing business, yeah. um, early stage business, think about how hard it is to get extraordinarily established brands with tremendous reputation. WH Smith's reputation spans 235 years. They don't engage with companies like us overnight without serious due diligence and analysis of your capabilities and your credibility. So in that respect, I'm so proud of our ability to break through that glass ceiling, if you like, as an early stage company to the point where you can engage in long term, meaningful partnerships with major corporations. And that's testament to the quality of the people. Um, that's testament to the quality of the technology and testament to the quality of the of the proposition. Another one I'm going to add in is partnerships. So. We have cultivated a whole range of partnerships as part of our ecosystem. People like um, PCL Premium Credit Limited, people like Stripe for payment gateways and things like that. A whole raft and range of insurance partnerships in there with quality insurance vendors. One I've got to shout out is we've just done a strategic partnership with a 
uh, a major uh, fast-growing corporation uh, called Aquashore, major in the US, starting to really scale up here in the UK and internationally. And they help us tremendously with things like regulatory services and access to insurance markets. So, so I'm proud of the, uh, the customers and the achievements that we've had. And I'm, a pr- I'm very proud of the partnerships that we've established. Um, but that's actually just giving us a strong platform. Tell you what, from here, it's scale. Uh, maintaining quality, but it's scale, adding more of these blue chip names on, adding uh, to the ecosystem. And the I word as well, Jonathan, we're going to go international. We get approaches about our proposition all the time. Um, And if you think about the UK, the UK in e-commerce terms generally, and e-commerce specifically around insurance, though there's still room to go, is even more advanced than international territories and jurisdictions you know surprisingly enough the us so you might think are more advanced on insurance distribution than the uk it's not it's still some way behind us in certain areas um so um the uh, far east uh, australasia we've had conversations and approaches from people we'll probably adopt a partnership model for that uh, but the opportunity for what we're doing uh, in terms of digitizing insurance and extending the reach of brands that can't currently get into insurance is what it's all about. So, ah, gee whiz, the sky's the limit. Um, and, you know, next that said, calm down. <laughs> the next six to nine months is about making sure these relationships that we have are... Uh, are well established and are successful and productive for both us for the partner network and the customers and then we'll build from there we'll probably be looking to raise further capital in at the course of 2022 to further scale and extend the proposition but it's yeah, the sky's the limit and the international we our boundaries are, our horizons are not limited by the um, by the uk Thank you very much, Simon. Sounds very exciting. And we, I mean, you've, you touched on, and, and thank you for doing that, your your milestones there and, and some significant ones for, for a company, whether you're a growth company, whether you're a startup, whatever the classification may <laughs> may be, um, some, some, some very significant milestones there. Yeah, and, well, for well, me, a startup is somebody that's got an idea that's not yet validated. Yeah, that's yeah. not us. Well, <laughs> I, definitely from what we've discussed today, there, there's, a, there's a level of... Uh, a strong level of validation there, Absolutely. Um, and, and and that's something the investors should be should be aware of. So, just as a, as a note before we finish off, and and Simon did discuss there, do check out Cedars um, for more information about the crowdfunding campaign, as well as the Quotal website. And there will be a link to both of those in the notes to this podcast. So do oh, check cool. those Thanks. out, yeah. and you'll be able to to see those. So, Simon, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Oh, I enjoyed it. I don't know how long that's gone, but it seemed to go very, very quickly. Appreciate the questions, Jonathan. No, yes, very in-depth. And just just to know, anybody that subscribed to the UK Investor Magazine newsletter will be receiving uh, some further information about the crowdfunding um, campaign in the next week or so. So do, if you're not already, sign up to the UK Investor Magazine newsletter list and you'll be able to find some more details then. Simon, once more, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Jonathan. Take care. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast 
are in no way investment advice and please remember all investment involves risk.